the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, I think there might be a day of mourning for half of my team. On the day we were recording this, Argentina played Saudi Arabia at four in the morning in the World Cup. And the anticipated number of goals that Saudi Arabia was supposed to score was 0.14, and they scored two. They won two to one. Ooh, ouch. Well, you know, I mean, I, I'm not a big soccer guru. I don't really know a whole lot about soccer, but it does not seem like us tying Wales was probably a good result, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Do you know if that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, a draw is better than a loss. You do get one point for a draw. So as long as the United States beats Iran and the normal course of things happen with Wales and England, meaning England would win, the goal is to be second. England should go in and we should be second to get out of this first round. But Argentina, I mean, that's one of the hugest upsets ever in the World Cup. Yeah. Argentina seems like I've heard them a lot uh, in the World Cup. So didn't they win it a couple of, like the last World Cup? No, last time was France. They have won it many times, but I don't know. They're one of the best. They and Brazil were certainly the odds on favorite. This shows how little I know about soccer. I know very, very little, but uh, anywho. I was going to say, I know something you know a lot about and that's running a law firm. So let's talk about that instead. Yeah, so let's let's rock and roll. So today we're going to talk about our three worst financial mistakes. <laughs> so it's it is a it's a really positive one for this week. But I do I, you know I think the ones we're going to talk about I do think they're going to be helpful for people. I think the number it's funny because I chose different ones from you, even though mine probably would have overlapped with yours a little bit more. But I chose some additional ones. But I think yours is the number one for either one of us. So you want to start with that? Yeah. And just so that everybody understands, the reason we're doing this is, you know, obviously you learn a lot by hearing what Tyson and I do well. And we love to pound on our chest and point out all of our wins. But to me, there's just no substitute to hearing the mistakes that people made. And hopefully you can shortcut some of these, especially this first one. And so I was glad to to put it on the list because if there's anybody listening to this episode before they've started their firm, to me, this is like the number one thing. Whenever anybody gets in the big group and Facebook and says, hey, I'm getting ready to start my own firm. What's your best piece of advice? I always lead with this. And it's from my biggest mistake, which was not setting up my books and hiring a bookkeeper on day one. 
this has caused me untold amounts of discomfort, pain, whatever you want to call it. But not having the book set up at the beginning, I am not in any way, shape, or form an attention to detail kind of guy. And so, you know, I could keep it up for a while because I treated it like I had my checkbook. But after a while, you know, we were missing categories. We weren't keeping track of our spending. And the biggest thing was it's that little, you know, refund of 53 cents or the one little thing that is off that just totally screws up your books moving forward. And you've got to set it up properly at the beginning so that you're really ready for success. No question. And it's even more important whenever you're doing things like taking, you're doing a retainer and then you're billing off the retainer. It's extremely important. If you're doing personal injury, it's extremely important because you have to track all these different accounts. And so each one of the clients gets a, a separate account and it gets really, really complicated. And as your firm begins to grow, it gets even more and more complicated. And the the longer you delay, the more complicated it's going to be and the more expensive it's going to be for you to hire that bookkeeper because they're going to see your tangled mess and they're going to have to untangle it and it's going to cost a lot of money. So just bite the bullet now and over the long run, it's going to save you tens of thousands of dollars probably. Wouldn't you say, Jimmy? Tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. Yeah. And it's not going to cost you that much to get it set up properly at the beginning. We have a bookkeeper now who's very strict and you're right. When she came in to try to clean things up, it was a huge mess, and she's done that for many members of the guild and of regular Maximum Lawyer, but it's much easier to hire her or someone like her to set it up properly at the beginning. And then the next part is making sure that you attribute things properly. You're absolutely right about, you know, you, have, you don't have one bank account, you have your trust account, you have your operating account, but then you actually have an account for every client, right? And so, especially with like your cases where you're getting big settlement checks in, you're paying money out. If you get off 16 cents or $16 or $1,600, you know, that's a big thing. And then of course, if you ever bounce a check out of your trust, that's causing you an automatic bar inquiry right out of the bat. Yeah. That's obviously something no one wants. So if you're just starting out, especially just spend a few hundred dollars to get the bookkeeper. It's totally worth it. There are plenty of virtual bookkeepers that you can get. There are plenty of options. Even QuickBooks now online, they don't work for personal injury firms, just so you all know, but they do have a built-in service that does the bookkeeping for you. And if you're a smaller firm that has like just does criminal defense, I think it might work for you or family law. So something to look into for as, as an option for you that might be a little bit cheaper. All right, let's get to number two, Jimmy, and it's mine. And mine is not focusing on personal injury sooner. I've It was a huge financial mistake because it has cost me, I don't know how many injury cases over the years because I became known as a criminal defense lawyer very early on, even though I knew way more about personal injury because my background was in personal injury. And even though whenever I did get rid of criminal defense, it was a huge revenue stream that I just cut off. I've made way more money to recoup those losses since then. And if I had done it sooner, I would have been known as a personal injury lawyer for 12 years as opposed to now probably seven years. Because there's a lot of people that viewed me as a criminal defense attorney that were just sending me criminal cases and they weren't sending me injury cases, but now they are. The moral of the story is niche down as much as you can as early as possible. And we understand they're the people that want to you know, have a few different practice areas because of the, you know, you want to bring in the revenue. But I promise you, everyone I talk to, the more you niche down, the, the more money people make. And it, Jim, yours is similar to that on your uh, our number three, it's very similar. So I don't know if you want to roll into that as well or if you want to add on to number two. 
Let's go back in our time machine. Tyson Mutrix, he's humming along. He has his criminal defense practice. He's trying to start a personal injury practice. What was the biggest hurdle or hurdles that kept you from letting go at that particular time? Golden handcuffs, no question. Because we were early on, paper clay for criminal defense, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. There were not a lot of people in St. Louis doing it whenever I first did it. So I could pick up clients in no time. It was very easy to get criminal defense clients. Even from an SEO standpoint, it was pretty easy. So I was getting, we had a, a very steady stream of revenue that were com- that was coming in. And what it was doing, it was strangling the injury practice. I had plenty of injury cases, but I wasn't able to move those cases along. So if, if I were to pinpoint one thing that prevented me from doing it, it was just golden handcuffs. And I, what I was doing was I was blinded. My long-term vision was being blinded by that money that was being brought in up front. And it, and it happens to all of us. We're like, oh, this is fantastic. This is good. But my at the time, my vision was not locked down. It was not as strong as it is now. And so I just saw the money and I was like, oh, this is great. And it prevented me from really moving forward when it comes to my long-term vision. So we're going to start calling these three, four, five, and six, just to be clear, because we keep bouncing over who's first, who's second. So for me, our third collective mistake, and that's the opposite of what you did And that is that I kept doing PI longer than I should have. So um, maybe it's sort of the same thing. It's just the different practice area. But my heart wasn't in personal injury. I did not like doing discovery. I did not like doing depositions. It was keeping the lights on. And I wasn't really good at it. And I didn't have good systems. I wasn't able to develop those systems because back then in stage one, we were just trying to keep the lights on. And it made it really hard for me to focus. I remember... Somebody came to see me. His father had died in a truck accident, and I should have just referred it to Gary or to you or to or to John Simon. And instead, I tried to sign it up, and then I I didn't have any credibility. It was a case way too big for me. I I wouldn't have had the resources even to put into it. So I just wasn't doing anyone a good service by keeping onto that. I realized sort of doing soft tissue stuff that I could make the same amount of money on a soft tissue case in a immigration case that I could systematize and that Adela could do most of. So it really hindered my ability to make uh, the firm the way that I wanted. And more importantly, no one was beating down their door to hire Jim Hacking to be their personal injury lawyer, right? Like immigration, there was what Gary Halbert would call a starving crowd. There was a need. There was the phone was ringing. There were people that had been helped by us that wanted to recommend us to other people. It was just, it was just so hard for me to let go of it. And it just affected so many things. My marketing was off because I was trying to market different things and my website was a mess. And it just, for so many reasons, holding on to that for as long as I did really led me down to some bad financial places. And it was only the desperation of, boy, this isn't working. Like I need to do something differently. And that was to niche down and focus. I did it out of desperation more than than anything else. Yeah, the marketing is a big one. I I struggled really big time with the marketing because it was really easy to shoot a criminal defense video and then shoot a injury video and then criminal defense blog post and then injury blog post. And it was really, I'm sure it was very confusing for people whenever we put it on social media. Like, what does this guy even do? You know, here's the, something else you just said. And like you, you as the immigration lawyer, Jim, you could handle a soft tissue case and get you know, the same amount you'd get for whatever other kind of case you got, you, you handled, right? But if you had referred that same case over to me or Gary, we would have gotten substantially more money for that case. And you would have probably gotten the same amount of money 
for doing no work. And that's that's one of those other things where if you just refer the case out, you'll like let's say you don't get a referral fee. You'll get more referrals. That's that's another part of it. You'll get more referrals on your practice area. But if you're referring out the injury stuff, you're gonna get paid just as much probably as if you would have just held on to the case yourself. So like let that sink in because what Jim's getting was getting on soft tissues, we're getting way more than that. And so that's some, another lesson for people. All right, let's get into number four. And this is one, I went way too long with this one and it's waiting too long to hire a team. All right, I'm not saying hiring, I'm, I'm talking about actually focusing on a team of people that will help move the firm forward. And I, I went for the longest time, you know, just me and a legal assistant or a paralegal, whatever you want to call them. And went way too long with that. And we weren't able to move cases. And then we hired two legal assistants and it still was not enough. But once I started, okay, I'm have an office administrator. With time, we called him an office manager. We're going to have a triple C. We're going to have a case manager. We're going to have all, we're going to have a receptionist, having all these people. Once I figured that out, our growth just, it rapidly happened. And having a team, so focusing on a team, not just hiring an individual or two, to have an actual team in place, really, really important to growth if you want to grow into a stage two, three, four type of a firm. The Guild is maximum lawyers community of lawyer entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you will build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country four times per year. And in 2023, we've added a half-day workshop to each mastermind where you'll learn new skills while working on improving systems and aspects of your personal firm. Then take the hot seat on day two and work through your most pressing challenge. It's all inside the guild. To learn more, visit maxlawguild.com. You know, I've never really heard you or anyone else put it that way. The difference between hiring one person and building a team. Like, you know, and it's so funny because so many of our members, guild and otherwise, get hung up on just hiring that one person when they're not even thinking about what could a team do? Like, like maybe just People should just put to the side the money involved. And I know that's easier said than done. But think to yourself, if I had a team, what would it look like? And what would they do? And how would it make things better? You know, so often when we hear people talking about building a team or hiring people, it's always about the cost. It's always about how much it's going to cost. Instead of thinking about what is this investment going to do for me? You know, if you look at somebody like Paul Yokobitis, who, you know, knew right away what he wanted to do, what he didn't want to do, and and started building that team early on. I think those that experience the growth, it's always the building of the team first, then the growth, even though that sounds counterintuitive. There's another level to this too. And I woke up to it whenever Ryan Anderson spoke at Max LawCon this year, and, or it was last year, when he was talking about the executive team, building a, a rock star executive team. Now you're, I mean, you're, and that's something that we're working on now is building out the executive team. It's no longer just a team that you're building because we, we've got the teams built out. But now you're talking about a team that is a, a team of high performers that it's going to be like throwing gasoline onto the fire. And that, that really motivates me right now. But that's, that's an advanced step. But frankly, I think if I were to put sort of a 4B on this or 4A, it would be waiting too long to hire the executive team because- Hiring the executive team, we're already sort of shifting into that. And it, I can see the benefits of that already. So if you're at that point, if you're saying, oh, well, I already have my team, well, focus on the executive team because you're going to start to propel your firm even faster. 
we just promoted two of our team members up to the leadership team. So now we've gone from three to five and it's been huge, brings up more issues, but it also brings up more issues, right? Like, so it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And, and to your point, I'm really feeling like uh, unbelievably there needs to be another layer in our firm, right? Like we're about to have, a, they're going to, they're going to have teams that they're running in a, in a serious way. And, and, and it's pushing me to be a better law firm owner and, and to develop new skills. Love it. All right. So let's get to number five, Jimbo. All right. So anyone who talked to me the first 10 years I owned a firm, they would hear me sort of giggle. He, he, he. I'm not a numbers guy. I don't really know my numbers. He, he, he. I don't really look at my books because, um, you know, I'm a history major. They don't teach you numbers in law school. And, and I don't really like to look at the numbers and I don't really understand it all. And I just want to go sign up more cases or I just want to go help more people. That is total bullshit. Like saying that to yourself is irresponsible. It's actually irresponsible. And I would say immoral to the people that are relying on you, that if you aren't willing to educate yourself and to develop those new skills and to learn what numbers are important, what numbers aren't important, then you're really setting yourself up for failure. But more importantly, you're letting your team down because if you're not looking at the numbers and you don't have someone, and I'm not saying you have to actually do the mechanical work of tracking the numbers. I'm just saying you need to understand what the numbers are, what the important numbers are, what the important numbers mean to you and your firm, both in the short term and the long term. And you know, you're abdicating a tremendous amount of responsibility for the health and safety of the firm if you're not willing to learn the skills that you need to run a business. I remember uh, long ago whenever you used to say, well, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a numbers guy. It always made me cringe because like at the top level, it's all numbers. <laughs> it really is all numbers. It's the revenue numbers. It's the profit numbers. It's those numbers, right? But it's also like the KPI numbers, you know, like what's your average fee, things like that, that are really, really important. And so I'm glad that you've come around. I don't know what, what moment you finally came around to this, Jim, but I do remember early on, you'd be like, well, I'm just not a numbers person. I'm not a numbers person. But at some point it did click. And it, it's funny because like I have seen the way you talk about your firm change substantially because it's numbers and you've seen your growth. Let me actually, let me ask you, since you started to shift and focus on the numbers, what kind of growth have you seen since you started that? So that was back in 2012 when I had no money left in the bank. And I talked about this at MaxLawCount a few years ago, and I had to tell Imani that we didn't have any money and that I, I hadn't really been doing a good job of paying attention to the numbers. And she came to the office every Friday for a year and a half while we sorted out the numbers, right? So that's so now you're talking 2014, 2015. That's when we really started seeing traction. That was the entree to her actually joining the firm. And since then, we've had, you know, 100% or more growth every year since then. I love uh, use of the word entree right there. That's really good. Nice. All right, let's get to number six, which is not paying myself a salary. I went a few years and did not pay myself a salary. You know, those, those criminal defense checks, they'd come in, those injury ca uh, cases would come in, I'd deposit that and I'd pay myself a big chunk and I would just strangle my firm. And the, the cash flow roller coaster was real. The ups and the downs and oh my gosh, where'd all my money go? Okay, I've got, I'm rich. I got a bunch of money. Oh my gosh, where'd my money go? Oh my gosh, I'm rich. Where'd my money go? And then, but once I started to pay myself a salary, everything started to level off and it was way, way better. 
once I adopted Profit First, it was even way better. But it's it's one of those things where if you're not paying yourself a salary, I know I asked one. That's one of the first questions I ask whenever people are on the hot seat now, Jimbo. And and I don't know if you've noticed that I ask it quite a bit. And I ask this of young lawyers all the time, like, are you paying yourself a salary? And there's a lot of experienced lawyers that to this day have, are not paying themselves a salary. They're just taking draws. And it is a huge mistake because you're it's a huge cash flow problem. So you need to start paying yourself a salary if you're not doing that. For those of you who are not in the guild, twice a month, Tyson and I do what's called a hot seat where someone can come and sit and present their issues that they want to try to improve on. And we sort of go into, we, and we try to keep it pretty intense and pretty, like we really want to dig in and get to core issues. We don't we try not to talk about like SEO strategies or things like that. But for the last, I'd say five or six months, at least once of the, one a month of those hot seats, there's this moment where Tyson starts nodding and he's nodding and he's like, and you can see it in his face. Oh yeah, I figured it out. And it's usually that people are starving their firms by treating their operating account like an ATM. And there's very little discipline. I mean, you and I used to take pictures of checks and fat stacks of cash and send them back to each other. I would send those to Amani all the time to tell her how great I'm doing, right? But if you're really doing great, you're paying yourself a salary. You're treating it like a business. It's not an it's it's not a financial extension of your personal bank account. And you know, you probably even need to think about making it hard to transfer money from operating to your house fund just so that you are mindful of it. But it's just so easy when you don't have any checks or balances and you don't have anybody looking over your shoulder to just do whatever the F you want. And that's really just not a good way to run your firm and especially your firm finances. Love it. All right, Jimbo, we do need to wrap things up. I want to remind everyone to join us in the big Facebook group. Lots of great just information being shared always there. And then if you want a higher level conversation, go to the guild, go to maxlawguild.com. We would love to see you there. You'll get to experience all of our trainings, all of our maximum lawyer and minimum time course. We hope you will join us. And then while you're listening to our tips and our hacks of the week, if you'll give us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it to help spread the love to other lawyers that need some help. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? My hack of the week is that you should read a book called Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. So Ryan Holiday is a Tim Ferriss guy. He spends a lot of time talking about the Stoics and ancient philosophies and sort of applying them to modern day. So now he's just taking issue by issue things that the Stoics read. Yeah, he, he wrote the Daily Stoic. And the stillness is the key is really good because it talks about, especially now in 2022, 2023, when life is so hectic that the need for stillness and to, and there's a chapter that I really enjoyed and it told the story of Napoleon Bonaparte. So Napoleon had a rule that his assistant couldn't open his mail for three weeks. The assistant couldn't open the mail for three weeks. And the reason for that is because three weeks later, Napoleon liked to look at the mail and laugh at about all the supposed problems that had solved themselves while he ignored the mail. Now, we get those letters now in email form, all these emergencies of the day, where they're probably clamoring for Napoleon or you to jump in and fix and Obviously, there's a certain category of things that have to be fixed. I'm not saying that. But what would happen if you didn't look at your email for three weeks, right? Like, I mean, I don't look at my email at all now. But if you, if you didn't look at your email for three weeks, how much of the things that are in there 
would solve themselves. And if not, if not, then that that's probably a tell that you're doing too much inside your firm. It's great. I like that. You know, Jim's not advocating to ignore your email, just um, have someone check it for you. So just as a disclaimer for you there, Jimmy, you get someone complaining, hey, I ignored my email for three weeks and then I got sued. <laughs> We're not saying that. All right. So mine is, and by the way, there's um, the Daily Stoic. I recommend it. I've got it right here on my shelf and I just grabbed it. And it, there's every day there's a, a new quote that he uh, lists and then he interprets it. My tip of the week is I just want people to Google or go to YouTube or go to TikTok and search, I want more levels, Kevin Hart. And it is, I love it. It's it's a, he's being interviewed by Joe Rogan and he's talking about how like once you change your mindset, new levels are opened up. And then when you change your your mindset again, new levels open up and you can, you can get more levels if you just change your mindset. And I love it so much. I've been listening to it every single day. It will pump you up. So if you need to pump me up, go check it out. I promise you, you'll like it. It is so good. It's a 30 second clip, but I, I just like listen to it on repeat. It's so great. And he's Kevin Hart. Don't, people know, don't know this. Like he's obviously a comedian and actor, but he does a lot of things business wise. And he's, he's doing some big things. He's kind of like The Rock, um, just on a smaller level. I meant that on purpose <laughs> because he's so tiny. But anyways. That's an awesome tip. I'm going to go find it. It reminds me, there's a, a little clip of Arnold Schwarzenegger where he's talking about how no one ever believed in him. And he goes, I never listened to those losers. And I listen to that. I never listen to those losers all the time. Like it just, I listen to it like four times a week. It just makes me laugh. It's so That's so good. I'm going to check that one out now. All right, Jimmy, it's been good. I will talk to you later. Have a good one, everybody. See ya. Peace, brother. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.